And this week on Culture File on amateurism, we begin this new sequence from the novelist and online writer Joanna Walsh about what it means to be an amateur online, someone adding in their own particular way to the sights and sounds that fill the internet and what the omnipresence of such creativity signals for the meaning of art. But sure, why am I delaying you here explaining when Joanna Walsh got that gig? I am an amateur. The internet has made us all amateurs. Wikipedia knows for us. Hinge chooses who we love. Google decides what we see. Facial recognition technology knows if we've been bad or good. AI makes art for us, writes for us, codes for us, and threatens to replace us at nearly everything. Anything made by humans is now artisan, has gone the way of craft, is obsolete, antique, cute. This is nothing new. Once upon a time, people worked as switchboard and lift operators. There were more travel agents, bank tellers, cashiers, assembly line and agricultural workers, data entry clerks. The internet has made us all amateurs, YouTube educators, booktop critics, wiki editors, Reddit moderators, Flickr photographers, OnlyFans porn stars, Pinterest curators, Twitter meme posters. We're in-game modders, insta-poets, clicktivists. We make meta-family albums. We create new worlds. Some of us have had second lives. These amateur acts have one thing in common. They are creative. The internet demands that we create an aesthetic, a way of appearing via any of its many interfaces. Before the net, we appear direct. Online, what we make and make of ourselves is seen not only by whoever's in front of us, but by anyone we allow to see and some we don't. We are our own scriptwriters, photographers, costume and set designers, directors, foley artists. In real life, we choose our ways of looking, moving, speaking, but they are not recorded on a timeline a watch list, an album, replayable by people we've never met and never will, a.k.a. art. I look at things created online and I wonder whether they're art, and if so, in what way. They look like the creative effort of an individual or group. They come at me across space and time via a medium, though it isn't a canvas, a stage, or an old-school screen. I don't go somewhere special to encounter them like a gallery or a concert hall. I don't always give them my full attention. I look at them on the bus or scrolling over lunch. I watch them in snatches. I read them when I'm bored, but they give me art feelings. I think they're pretty or clever or scary or funny. Some of them mean more to me than work I have seen in galleries, watched at the movies, read in books. They make you think. They move me. I like them. I don't know much about art, but I know what I like. It's that rush of hitting like that gets me online. And online, what's not to like? This liking isn't always a straightforward pleasure. It's a recognition of difference, an admiration of challenge, appreciation of something smart, of a joke, of work done, even shock or disgust, all those things we talk about when we talk about art. That's aesthetics again. Because aesthetics is not only about creating, but experiencing and evaluating, noticing, identifying, sorting, picking and rejecting. 
making hierarchies or making relations. In sorting, I am also creating something, a taxonomy, a list of what's there online. This is not only an act of judging, it is its own act of making. Do we know we're doing art things online? Conditions of the internet have confused us. The user-friendliness of online platforms means these acts are more casual, less effortful, not needing the commitment or expertise required even by what used to be called a hobby. Do we know we're amateurs, though some online creators are, or consider themselves, or aspire to be professional or paid? The proliferation of free content online causes confusion as to whether these side hustles are actual work. It also blurs the lines of professional practice. Even for professionals, online engagement, a social media presence, a substack, a TikTok is often performed at an amateur level, untrained and unpaid, not part of the day job. Writing this, I have amateur imposter syndrome. I don't know enough. Or rather, I know everything, which means I know that I know nothing. I'm not quoting Socrates. I saw that quote on a hashtag Daily Inspo Instagram post, type suspended over a sublime sunset, Comic Sans. I mean that I carry all my knowledge around in my pocket, along with the means of carrying out and recording my amateur activities on the cognitive extension device of my phone. The internet is old now. We have aged together. Online is not an unfamiliar experience anymore. It's where we live. The utopian para-universe of the net proposed in the 1990s didn't pan out, and most of us helped with that helplessly. Most of us amateur aestheticians secretly wanted the net to be a step to offline professional status, publication, exhibition, financial viability. Big business disguised as creative community, the platforms were naturally against us, and most of us didn't get there. Still, we got further than amateurs ever have before. And if amateurism has become strangely professionalised, then professional galleries and publications, and above all business and advertising, have started using vocabularies and styles they've learnt from amateurs online. What we did in these amateur spaces began to matter. Some of what we did became a thing, an aesthetic. We've been told we're only amateurs, that we're users, as in not producers, users, as in helpless addicts. We have more power than we've been told. I'm here to look at what happened in the temporary autonomous zones where pros turn am and ams go pro online. What happens when a work of art doesn't have a critic, a publisher, a gallery, or even a named creator? What happens when the only thing that sees it is the net? What happens when it doesn't call itself art at all? Let's find out. Joanna Walsh there with the first chapter of On Amateurism, and she'll be back with more in a fortnight's time.